With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, today's THPN shout-out is brought to you by the House of Hockey Podcast. Hey hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. These two are absolutely amazing ladies who bring a fun atmosphere and an in-depth look inside what it is to be a hockey fanatic. Their episodes feature amazing guests from former players to die-hard fans, including your very own Cajun Canadian fanatic, Bayou Benders. Don't forget to check out House of Hockey Podcast and be sure to follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. That's at House of Hockey underscore for Twitter, at House of Hockey Podcast for IG and House of Hockey on YouTube. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. I'm excited. I don't think we're going to take it, but I know we're going to take home a special first first round pick. There's a game five. There's no chance Montreal wins it. It could be this Crosby's Crosby. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. the Bayou Vendors, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Hab content. <laughs> First Perfect. Off, we- <laughs> your Mason Dixon impression, oh my, on spot. <laughs> we had to switch it up this week, uh, but fuck, dude, holy fuck, man. Let's go! Like, let's... <laughs> I, I'm still drunk from fucking, like... What What day was it? Friday? Dude, we were fucking running! Like, what's up? Our Terry Lekkinen! Holy shit, that kid was fucking boss. Like, whole series. I'm... Fuck, let's fucking go. Dude, I was outside. We legit... I got to Dave's house, right? We just quarantined fucking watched all games that day. It started at, like, fucking, like, I call it the ass end of, uh, what, the whoever the fuck was the first game. We watched Arizona win, and then we watched fucking Montreal just take a run at it. We're, like, 12 beers deep, dude. We were fucking sweating our asses off. And you know what? If I got bit by 300 mosquitoes, it was fucking worth it to see us not only win, but blank the fucking Penguins on Sidney Crosby's fucking birthday. Hello! What the fuck, dude? 
We haven't fucking won a playoff game since 2015, and I am so fucking happy. And, you know, we were talking earlier. We got to eat our fucking words. I'm sure we played some clips before the intro. We we did not fucking think that we had a chance in hell of beating the Pittsburgh Penguins, let alone beating Sidney Crosby in an elimination game on his fucking birthday. But we saw how that went. We saw Carey Price made a save on him, gave him a nice per- birthday gift, threw the puck back at him. <laughs> that's you know that's what he gets for being oh. a bitch all series. Carey Price is so fucking hood this series, dude. Carey Price is always hood. He's the man. My God. My God, dude. I couldn't fucking believe it. I've never seen Dave get so fucking excited. I feel like we were like in 2010, not 2020. This team was fucking rocketing on all cylinders. Hey, maybe it's those turn of the decades. They're just good for the Habs because (laughs) it's kind of a similar run, except you know what? I think this team, yes, Carey Price, let's, let's not even begin to get on the path that we could have won this without Carey Price. No, we couldn't have. We couldn't have. And I mean, so just a little quick little stat, Uh, you know, Price finishes the series with a a .947. At 5-on-5, he saves 92 of the 96 shots, giving him a a 9.59 at 5-on-5. He was incredible. We – you know, like all we could say going into this was that this series falls on Carey Price. You know, so if we win or lose, it'll be on Carey Price's dollar. Carey Price proved that he still fucking got it. We didn't have a sad picture like fucking, you know, Henry Glunquist. We got a dude as fired up as I've ever seen him before. And you know what? The team revolved around him and fuck the unison in these fucking games, boy. We're fucking nuts. <laughs> he, he fucking dominated. It was a great one of arguably his greatest performance, you know, in a very long time. And it'll go down. He'll be remembered for this in his career. Taking down the double-headed dragon. No doubt about it. Carey Price will be remembered for this. But, but <laughs> let's, let's not look past the defensive play of not only Montreal's three star centermen, because they were stars this series, but also of Lekkanen, Armia, the team as a whole, the three, just the Hydra on defense, the three-headed Hydra of Jeff Petrie, Sherratt, and Weber. They were fucking dominant playing just north or just south of 30 minutes every single game against Gino Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, Jake Gensel, Patrick Hornquist, you know, this is an elite championship team. Montreal played their hearts out. And I have never seen this team. I've seen past teams that we, we just referenced that 2010 hockey team. Since then, we have not seen a Habs team play this hard in any game, no matter what. Because they were all laying their bodies on the line. It was just, it was very defensive last, you know, we were talking about the last game, the game Montreal won to send Penn's pack in. There was like 13 to 16 shots late in the second. It's one of the most fun hockey games I've ever watched. Zero, zero. Because Montreal's defense was just so on point. It was just, it was a treat to watch in my opinion. But it's not, it's not a, this, this little, it's, it's this little stat is not anything to like be like, oh, this was like, this is why we won or anything. Kat Ken Niemi had 19 hits this series. Man, he is like, like, I think one of the 10 most like youngest kids playing in this fucking, you know, in the play ins in the playoffs period. 19 fucking hits from a kid who said, I'm sick of Laval. Like, Two big goals for us. This kid was fucking a rocket. He not only said he's sick of Laval, he's sick of being labeled a bust. <laughs> That's true, man. I haven't. That is seen... fucking true. He would like. It's not a perfect comparison, but he reminded me of like a young Ryan Getzlaff. The way okay. he was just, he was punishing them. Yeah, I, c- I can see what you're saying because not just that, like. He... 
Yeah, like his body came into play a lot more than just his, you know, dynamic offensive capabilities. Like he was able to put the body and just move his body into positions that really one cut off an offensive chance and fucking tried to put him through the boards. Like kudos oh. to a guy who everyone has been shitting on. Kenny Emmy was putting like grown men on their asses. Like I haven't seen a, a Hab center do that. I don't know in my entire life. Like just the way he was imposing his, like we've had big centermen, Michael McCarron. You know we drafted him. He's like what six foot six, six foot seven. He never imposed. He hasn't in Laval. Not even as a junior player with the U.S. development program not with Montreal, ever imposed his will upon people like that. Kakiniemi was just, I don't know, a wrecking ball. And it wasn't, it was that ferocity. Like we haven't, we're used to this go lucky, happy Kakiniemi. And, you know, we did see him in big moments, like when Lekkanen scored and stuff, he showed, but when he was on the ice and when he was battling against those penguins, he looked nasty and he looked mean. And I got to say, I fucking loved every second of it. Beautiful. Not just that, just to throw some advanced stats at you, because I gotta say, like, I'm not always the biggest for advanced stats, but Kakaniami just Kakaniami had a Corsi four percentage of sixty four point two percent, which was the best on the team, and Lekkinen was at fifty seven point nine. He was on the ice for ten high danger scoring chances by the Canadians. That was, um, I believe, was that I believe that was most for the Canadians. His expected goals allowed in that time was 0.47. Once again, best on the team. Paul Byron was second at 0.76. Like to say, Kakaniemi had a dominant series is an understatement. Well put. You hear that ice analytics? We fucking learned something. <laughs> but that was that was mint. Great job. Mint. <laughs> mint oh, oh fuck, mete. dude mete and kakiniemi that that brotherhood the mint brothers <laughs> and to not to focus on anything negative but um it, it's kind of negative kind of i gotta say that third that third pairing scared the shit out of me the first two games mm-hmm. um Ulet continued to but mete did pull it back i'll give mete that the last two games i was pretty confident with mete out there on the ice yeah, um, I don't know. You made you made a, a a call earlier in like game one or two, and you were like, "Why is still like why are we allowing Olet more chances like this?" And once you said that, like I kind of gave him a little bit more of a look and tried to notice him more on the ice. And uh, I feel like in the beginning, I was like, you know, we could maybe utilize someone else, but they kind of fell into a rhythm, and we needed it, you know, because. We truthfully needed every line to – they had to – they didn't have to convert offensively, but everyone had to do their part in stopping a team that should have easily fucking run us into the dirt. It was, for lack of a better term, almost sad to watch the Penguins that last game. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like they just – Montreal, whether it was a lack of will to win – which some people have said, you know, Pittsburgh didn't want it. I don't believe that for a second because Sidney Crosby has been the ultimate winner throughout his entire career. All of those guys are champions. They know what it takes. I honestly think that Montreal's defense just wore them out. I think they got frustrated with not being able to score on price. And I think Crosby and Malkin, Malkin especially, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, I think. Um, I think they just just got so worn out and just frustrated by being followed 200 feet down the ice and harassed by Suzuki or Deneau. Like they couldn't do anything because those guys are relentless. And that, you know, we talk about Deneau on defense all the time, but Suzuki especially really stepped up this series. Absolutely. That kid is a, fu- a little fucking fireball out there. Um, and dude, one, one thing I noticed, like, if you look at shots on goal in that last game, you know, like, I mean, it was a fucking nail biter. Don't get me wrong. Like we, you know, like the ending of it made it that much better for us. Cause we like, we even fucking shut them out and shit. 
but it was tied 22 to 22 for shots on goal for the total of the fucking game. It was a low, it was a low, you know, shot percentage game. Like we could not, our, our chances looked good, but at times we were, it was a lot of, you know, mix ups, a lot of going back through the neutral zone and, you know, uh, mishandling a puck and shit like that. So like this game could have went either way, but we stepped up and we fucking held it in. And, and to just play off of what you said about them not, not fucking winning it, uh, I don't think a team that's got Sidney Crosby on it, regardless if no one else wants it, if Sidney Crosby's on that team, they're, they're forced to play their fucking best to win this game, you know. And also with someone like, uh, you know, fucking Patrick Marlowe on there, you don't think Sidney Crosby's like, yeah, I'd love to help this guy, you know, move forward into, you know, hopefully getting him a cup. I think that's just silly to say that these guys didn't give it their all out there. It was I. You can call it a fluke. You can call it because they had four months off. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that um, Crosby, especially, you know, Mike Sullivan, and just anyone on that team, it was gonna let any player give up and put their head down. You don't become a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion or a Stanley Cup champion to begin with by putting your head down and giving up under pressure. And regardless of how intense that pressure was, which Montreal, I think they gave them an insane amount of pressure on defense. Pittsburgh's not the kind of team to just give up. They're not the Leafs. You know, they're, they're not going to fold. <laughs> oh, man. I fucking wish the Leafs gave up the other day, dude. I left. I left, and it was still fucking 2 nothing. And by the time I got home, they had tied it up 3-3, and Dave was so fucking pissed. He was calling me the Antichrist. He was saying that I fucked everything up for Quebec as a whole. <laughs> he was fucking giving it to me. I was like, I was the fucking factor. I'm so sorry. He was like, he was like, bud, you fucked us. Like, <laughs> Well, I know this is a Habs podcast. Actually, it's a Habs podcast. I'm going to shit on the Leafs a bit. And then we'll get right back into our happy talk. Actually, I consider this happy talk, too. You know, you got, obviously, um, 12 seeds prevailed in this series, and I think that's really interesting. And we're, I want to talk about that a little bit more. But um, the Oilers got out, so we will not be seeing any more of Playoff McDavid, which is honestly really depressing because Playoff McDavid is insane. Nine points, dude. Like he, They looked Poor good. Poor guy. That get one line. Yeah, get a goalie. Cut, but, um, they looked – Last statement on them, but they looked like Colorado a few years back when the first line was all ahead. They didn't have anything <laughs> around them. You know? Yeah, but uh, did all he could. And, you know, only the Leafs fan base could do this. Matthews gets one fucking comeback after a three-goal a three goal lead choke. And I'm seeing Leafs fans going on Twitter saying Matthews is a fucking winner and McDavid's not a winner. And they're happy they'd rather have Matthews. And I just want to say to those people, you're all fucking morons. Because Austin Matthews is going to choke tonight. We're recording this Sunday. And Columbus and Torts are getting out of that fucking playoff series. I'm calling it now. The Blue Jackets are going to win. Leafs fans are going to cry. And I am going to be supremely happy. Just sit back with a little Pinot Noir. Listen to a little jazz. Pretend like you're smoking a fucking cigar as you as you just slowly hear in the distance the cries of all of Toronto. I won't I won't even need a drink because I will sustain myself off of Leafs fans' tears. <laughs> you just got a little vial jar. Yeah. This. Yeah. Fuck you, Leafs fans. Calling it now. Columbus is gonna win. I don't think there's any way Torts doesn't win that series because he's Torts and he's fucking awesome. But moving back to – unless you want to comment on – He just got a stream at uh, fucking Luke Dubois. And <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get a win. You know? <laughs> future future Hab, pure Luke Dubois. <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick. We're getting everybody. Lafreniere. If Lafreniere – part of the reason I want the Leafs to lose, because I would love to see a Habs-Leafs series. Part of the reason I really just want them to lose is so that I can watch them draft Lafreniere and either A, watch him refuse to play for them, or B, watch him walk in three years and get signed by Montreal. Hey, 
man, you were just you're just coming up with all the all the possibilities to to put Lafreniere still here. I like that. Hey, you know, it's not Lafreniere is going to pull a Tavares. He will be a Hab. I'm convinced he will be a Hab before the end of his career. We have not lost out on Lafreniere. Maybe maybe we'll pull off the trade of the century. I've heard I've heard the Leafs really want grit, and I know. It'd be tough to depart with him, but Ben Sherratt for a first overall pick, you know, Dubas, he's made some shitty moves. He might, he might be Dubass. down for that one. Dubas, <laughs> do dumbass, really. Fuck. <laughs> but, uh, it's like him. the son of uh, Seabass from fucking uh, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber, Dubas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving back onto the halves, um, the emergence of our own double-headed dragon per se, but I believe there's three heads. Um, you know, we've, I've said it before and I don't know if I've expressed it specifically on this podcast, but Philip Deneau, we, we know how I feel about him. We were just joking about, you know, you were, you were making some jokes to me about how much I loved Deneau before we started. Um, I believe he is a phenomenal centerman. I believe he can be a number one center. Maybe not on a championship team. He's a shutdown guy. That's his role. But I've said before that this team will start going far when he is not our number one center. And I've always envisioned with the center prospects we had that Philip Deneau would at some point end up on the third line. Originally, when I think I first, you know, was this is going through my brain, I envisioned Kotkaniemi and Paling. Well, now it's come. It's become pretty clear that it's not going to be Paling. It's going to be KK and Suzuki, and I think um, that time is coming a lot sooner than I thought it would. Um, who do you want to start with, Suzuki or Kakaniemi? Your call. Uh, let's go with KK because he deserves he deserves to get the front run right now because this kid has just had he's just proven he proved in fucking four games that he deserves a spot here. So let's give him that first one. Uh Kakeniemi. Our finish flash, our finish beauty. Cause you know what? I'm calling him the finish flash now, not because he's anything like Timu. But goddamn, did he get fast? Like if, did you notice that? Yeah, he he's got a little quickness to him, and I mean I think that's hilarious because he put on a solid amount of weight and he seems faster than ever. Yeah, I um, all in the fucking lakes. I was reading, I forget, I think it was an Apron Basso article in which they said, like, yes, we talked about previously he was with the skating coach, but all he did was work on his thighs when he was in Finland. And it's clearly shown. They said he's barely, he only skated like three or four times when he was away. So the prospect of him then having a, an off season to practice his skating going into next year excites the fuck out of me because he was flying with only like limited you know with some rust limited skating time i can only imagine him getting with a good skating coach he's going to be a fast player in this league mixed in with that dominant physical presence that he's now establishing like he can really press his physical attributes onto opposing players and Mixed with his, you know, his nose for the net, which we've discovered in the playoffs. He scored two goals in the first two games. He was making passes left and right. His vision is – Kakaniemi is not a bust. Kakaniemi is finally emerging into what we all knew and thought he was going to be. You know, if you were a real Habs fan, you knew that this was only a matter of time, and I think it couldn't have happened at a better time for Kakaniemi. Absolutely. I feel like there are Habs fans that were starting to lose faith in him. And I mean, fuck this. If this kid isn't on your radar now, you know, like I don't think you watched these past four games. Guy had, you know, two goals in the, you know, first and second game, only two shots. So, you know, they were bottlenose, you know, they were, they were neck and neck. They were in the fucking scrum right up front, right in the crease. The kid, I mean, look, so so Dave pointed this out to me. He was like, Brendan Gallagher has not played Brendan Gallagher's style of hockey. He hasn't been in front of the net. But you know what? If KK wants to do that, he's emerging and showing that he's pot, he, can, he can take the hit, and he's fucking effective. So 
that's no, just he, a, that, that's just another little additive, you know. I think KK really established that you know, like we saw his vision. I think he's we've all known that he was going to be a good playmaker. I think that was one thing no one disputed. Whether or not he was going to be a star has been and probably still will be because people are they like to argue. But no one was ever going to question his passing ability. But this newfound like clutch gene, you know, this nose for the net in the playoffs, he, that he an opportunity which he shouldn't have gotten, but he did. I think this is just going to pay dividends for Montreal in the future for years to come. Absolutely. And, and you, you, you had mentioned uh, about his, you know, his dynastic play as far as like, you know, like his competitiveness, you know, his, his bulk has, has given him more of a, a chippiness to his game. And, you know, you see him out there in these four games. He looks like someone who, who like just recently realized that he could fight and was, like, pretty good at it. So now he's just, like, running – he's just flying around out there with this extra, you know, oomph of confidence that he could put someone through the fucking boards. And that makes me excited about him. You know, I expected him to play with a chip on his shoulder. I did not expect him to come out like he's a heavyweight fucking champion. And I don't mean he's like Ryan Reeves with the gloves. I mean, like, he now realizes that he can fucking be devastating if he hits somebody. He can make a fucking – you know, he can make a play go our way depending on if he puts someone into the boards or, or a clean check or, or anything like that. He is playing an offensive game but knows that he can be very formidable defensively with his hits, with his ability to take you out of the play. Well, yeah, and then you got to keep your head up for him. Now you do. And, and if you didn't know that before. Jesus. Because he – I can't name any names. I'm drawing a blank, but he absolutely creamed some people into the boards. And there was a, I think there was one play where Tanev, Montreal was targeting Tanev the whole series anyway, for obvious yeah. reasons. But Tanev, there was one sequence where he hit Kakaniemi, and the very next shift, because I knew it was going to happen, just the way he'd been playing. This is like game three. The second Kakuniemi saw Tanev on the boards, he just plastered him. And then you knew that the rest of the game, he just anytime he got a chance to hit somebody, he took him out. You know, it wasn't dumb hits. Like it wasn't Jared Tenorti, if you remember him, always going mm -hmm. for the hit and always leaving leading it to a two on one. Yeah. But when he had a chance to hit somebody, he hit somebody. And for a star player to defend himself is I think it's a really valuable trait. It's what we love about Max Domi because Domi's going to go out there and get to have a 70-point year. He's going to have three fights along the way because players, players like to fuck with the star player, and that's what we saw Montreal doing. No one defended Sidney Crosby. Crosby's not going to defend himself. Yes, he did Crosby things, but he, did, he wasn't able to take over the series. And for Kakaniemi, who we want to – that's our guy in the future. We want him to be able to do that. I think it's really valuable that he's shown that he has that medal that you're not going to push him around. Yeah. And dude, like you, I just feel like that's a, that's a new era for this kid's play style. And I'm excited for him to play every game with a chip like that. Oh, for sure. And we're, we'll, we'll talk about Suzuki right after this, but I also just wanted to add that I think it to play that tough nosed hard brand of hockey I do think that it shows great future leadership ability too. I think KK, the way he's been playing just based on the roster of this team, if it's not Brendan Gallagher, are we looking at our next captain in KK? <laughs> I don't know. Brendan, I, I Brendan like Gallagher's like going to weigh the C. He's going to yeah, wear it. You can definitely point. see it. Uh, you know, but Shea Weber's got what, like six more years. I'm sure we can, we can have him in an iron long. He'd still probably carry the C. Oh, probably. <laughs> uh, but no, Brendan Gallagher is our is our emotional fucking captain. You know, Shea Weber plays that, you know, lead by example, fun, maybe a little more quiet, but I feel like that's just his veteran in him. And Brendan Gallagher is that the hype man, you know. 
<laughs> but he's, he's, def- he's definitely coming. You know, I could see the C on Gallagher. I think Galley will wear the C one day, but I think I'd be remiss to say that Kakanami won't wear the C at some point. But um, moving on to, and I'll let you, if you want to carry this one a little bit, because Suzuki is kind of your boy. Fuck, um, you want to talk I'm, about Suzuki? I'm thinking about getting his, his fucking jersey next. Like, I mean, goddamn. Uh, so, you know, I was excited to see what this kid could possibly bring. Um, he was going to go up against Evgeny Malkin. So, first off, I was, in, I was interested to see – you know, I didn't expect him to dominate Evgeny Malkin. I didn't think that he was going to, you know, keep him off the puck, keep him away from chances. And I wouldn't say that he fucking completely destroyed Evgeny Malkin this series, but he really put a cap on what Evgeny Malkin was capable of doing. And to really see nothing come from him until the third game and then nothing in the fourth, really, like that speaks wonders right off the blank about this fucking kid born in 99. So that's, that's big for me, you know, but uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, this kid was just all over the place. He was knocking pucks down like fucking Nick Lidstrom for, for Detroit back in the day. This kid, oh, yeah. I, you couldn't tell if you, if you didn't know who Nick Suzuki was and you didn't know what he played, you couldn't say that he was a fucking centerman. Like he played, Everything but fucking Carey Price this this series. And that speaks fucking volumes of a kid who's like, I don't know, maybe almost six foot. Like Yeah, he's some um, I believe he I don't even think five eleven. Five eleven. Only two hundred pounds, bud. Well, you say that's what I was gonna say only, but for five eleven being two hundred pounds, he's thick. He's a stocky guy. That boy he, thick. He's thick. <laughs> Thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Oh, shit. But, I mean, look, game one, immediate impact. And that has got to fucking feel good as a young guy in your first game, playing, you know, scoring a goal, making an impact, and shutting down Evgeny Malkin. I fucking said it. Uh, <laughs> that carried every fucking game after that. That kid should have been the fucking – if if. If you didn't award Carey Price the first star of the game, I said it, he should have been fucking given both second and third, and he fucking deserved it. He deserved the star in every fucking game. He was insane. He played 28 shifts fucking like – so in four games, the kid played roughly from 26th being the lowest to 28th being the most shifts. He fucking had two two nights over 20. And then the other two were 19 and a half. So this kid got as much ice time as he deserved. Julian, you know, didn't really do a lot for us. He could have made some moves around here. But you know what? He saw that this kid was fucking red hot, and he fucking allowed him to play. And I think that was the best thing that Julian could have did was allow this kid to have fucking defenseman, you know, veteran defenseman minutes out there. You know, he he like – uh, elapsed Kakeniemi by at least four or five minutes a game. Oh, it's more than that. A fucking factor. A factor. Like low shots on goal. He only had three in uh in both the games that he he uh was on the board offensively. But holy fuck, this kid can play offensively. He can score. But I think he's even more dangerous as a defensive. Like is this little uh, Philip Deneau Jr. Like, do we do we literally have this as as a fucking young player coming up? Future Centerman, first we can move Dino down to third. He can help out Wheel and fucking. <laughs> oh, nobody can help out Wheel. Nobody can help out Wheel. <laughs> but man, this kid is amazing, and I'm so happy. I so thank you so much, Vegas, for taking your boy, taking fucking. Uh, Big P and giving us fucking Suzuki. I couldn't be fucking prouder. I couldn't be happier as a fucking Habs fan. Thomas Tatar is a throw-in at this point now. You know, I used to think that it, it he was the X factor because we had not seen Nick Suzuki. Fuck it. Thomas Tatar, appreciate your work, bud. But this kid fucking hatched, and he is a fucking star. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do have stuff to add, but I've, I've got to give a great, you know, like, hands down to you there. You said it pretty perfectly. 
Um, not only did we acquire Thomas Tatar, our leading point scorer in that trade, Nick Suzuki, who you have just raved about, honestly, beautifully. We also got a second-round pick that turned into Matthias Norlander, and we won't spend too much time talking about him, but trust me, you're going to hear a lot about him in the next few seasons. He is He's our next big defensive prospect. He's going to be on the team for a long time. But um, I have to add, even though you've, I think, said it perfectly, the way he played, I think, deserves me adding some stuff in for him because as much as I raved about Kakiniemi, I almost feel that Nick Suzuki came out even more than he did this series, just as a defensive presence. Because like you said, not only did he shut down Evgeny Malkin, because you know what? I'm not afraid to say it at all either. He did shut down Malkin. Malkin had 21 shots in the series, most of any player to not score a goal in these play-ins. And I think it was by like four or five shots. He, like, he really led. And, you know, to top it all off, you know, I we did shit on Claude Julien a bit, but I'll give him a little bit of props. He did change up the lineups for game four. And we saw Nick Suzuki got moved to the first line matched up against Crosby for almost the entirety of the game. Occasionally, Dano would take some shifts too. But the amount of confidence a stingy defensive coach like Claude Julien notoriously doesn't, you know, he prefers his veteran guys, puts in a 20-year-old center on Sidney Crosby for 20 minutes a night. That is just unheard of and I think Suzuki deserves an enormous round of amount of credit and recognition for that that was beautiful you can't you can't go that hard because I can't afford to have you sign a contract with like ice analytics like I need help on this podcast you can't you can't go that <laughs> hard but uh 71 games in the regular season though fucking 13 28 41 the kid was a fucking natural he definitely was being looked at you know at rookie of the year I think uh, I think his number speaks volumes. And granted, you know, like you could, you know, it's obviously the two defensemen are going to go head and head in this. And that Kubalik kid really showed out, you know, as far as for the Calder and shit. But you know what? This kid's numbers was on a team that struggled this whole fucking year to find a rhythm and a balance. And he worked on any line that he was, you know, with. It worked for him. So kudos to fucking Nick Suzuki for just not just having a great season. But your playoff, you know, your play playoff appearance was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, and you know we've got even more to see, and you know I think we've covered the Penn series enough. Obviously, I like I want to rave. I, you know what? I, we I, we can't we can't move on. I was gonna say let's talk about Philly. I can't move on without talking about Jeff Petrie. I can't because that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. my god like let's kudos where it's deserved you know Weber and Sherratt phenomenal the those three defensemen especially we would not have won the series without they all played around 30 minutes a game were absolutely tremendous for us like I cannot express how much I think they deserve fans recognition and I will give, you know, let's, while I'm giving recognition, Brett Kulak, I think this was a coming out series for him. I don't have a I lot agree. of, I agree. Yeah. I don't have a lot of stats on hand, but from what I saw, Kulak played a lot at the time and he played great minutes with Jeff Petrie. I thought he was, he excelled at moving the puck up the ice. Quite often, Brett Kulak would move the puck up the ice and it would lead to a play or he would kill time while the Habs were changing. Like, he just made these little plays that were just brilliant. But Jeff Petrie was by far our best defenseman that series. I Not only did he score two game-winning goals, but the guy was just lights out defensively, brilliant on the offense, moving up the puck, transition. There was not a, a single game that Jeff Petrie didn't make me go, wow, at least twice. Uh, one and done. First game, like, you know, one shot, one goal, fucking plugged it. <laughs> this guy was all over the fucking place. Um, it, just, it just made me so happy that this series, 
really revolved and showed that our forwards were able to play a defensive role and our defenseman was able to prove that they were also very offensive. And Jeff Petrie, it's, it's mainly him and fucking Shea Weber as the claptrap. But fucking my God, did Jeff Petrie legit hold the ticket to our you know advancement in his fucking hands? I'm going to go a little further with not just this series talking about Jeff Petrie. And if I'm talking blasphemy, I want you to call me out here, okay? We, uh, we traded for Jeff Petrie around 2015, I believe, correct? Correct. And um, we, it was a second and a conditional fifth for Jeff Petrie. Not, I think that is one of the most lopsided trades that Bronk Bergevin has pulled in his career. It often gets underlooked. Signed and then signing him to a $5.5 million AAV for six years. That is actually a phenomenal deal. For Very Jeff good. I think that's maybe even a better move. Jeff Petrie, 20% of his goals scored in his entire career have been game winners. 20%. That's one in five. That is ridiculous. Not only does he have that absolutely insane stat, but consistently every night he moves the puck up for the Habs. You know, his plus, I don't have his plus minus pulled up right now, but like he's phenomenal for us. Actually, let me get it because I believe it was pretty good this for year. For this season? You know, pretty bad, yeah. He was a negative 10 of uh, 2019, 2020, and 71 games. Negative yeah. 10. Negative 10. On the 24th worst team in the NHL, playing close to 25 minutes a night. That is on, that is, you know, negative, okay, but that is actually so fucking good. Like, you don't realize how good this guy is because he always, he's played with Weber for a while now. But this series, especially, you know, I gotta say it Jeff Petrie is our best defenseman. He has totally convinced me through his play. I cannot, I cannot simply ignore the fact anymore. He was on pace for a career year. He was going to surpass his 46 points. He had 40 and 71. This guy only gets better with age, and I am 100% convinced that Jeff Petrie is our best defenseman. I like it. Uh, I mean, it's a bold statement, but the facts, the proof is in the pudding, bud. You know, everyone's gonna go Shea Weber if you don't if you don't pay attention. Shea Weber is our fucking our defensive man. You know, he's on the fucking billboards. If we were in Montreal, I don't know if we are on billboards, but I'm sure we are. Anyway, you know, Shea Weber does his fucking job and the puck's gonna go to him. And I feel like Shea Weber is gonna fucking blast off and do his thing. But Jeff Petrie, there we go. Not Petrie. I'm 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 doing my best to fucking correct myself <laughs> on this guy's last name. But Petrie showed that he had his poise in this game. And, you know, in the first game, let's just, you know, I can just use that for an example. To know just to move just a bit to get a better offensive advantage on that fucking, you know, once-in-a-lifetime game-winning fucking goal that he's done 13 times in his his fucking career, uh, it was just phenomenal, you know, like, he didn't just rely on a blasting fucking slap shot that's, uh, you know, 100 fucking miles an hour. Um, he was precise about it, you know. I know they say that, you know, defensemen tend to shoot low, you know, and look for a deflection. But it, w- it was a beautiful goal. And I don't think that an average defenseman could come in in, in, in a moment where it's so – this needs to happen for us, you know, to have that type of poise and to be able to put it like on target like that. There was no deflections coming his way. And then Matt Murray was pretty well covered. He could make that save. It just, in the blink of an eye, we, we had the advantage in that moment. And in this series, it, it's really, I, I can, I can see where you're saying it. You know, this series really proved that, De- that Jeff Petrie is our fucking de- best defenseman right now. Will he stay? I'm not sure, but right now this dude is riding hot and he deserves to have that title. Yeah, I I don't think – like I want to make it very clear that I don't think this is a 
oh, obvious. Like, it is exceedingly close. And Shea Weber is our best defenseman on defense. Petrie doesn't touch Weber there still. Like, I want to make that clear. But I just think overall – yeah, sorry. Overall, (laughs) in – like, Weber is – Often you we forget one of the better goal scoring defensemen still in this league. He scored 15 goals this year, which you know not eye popping, but that's solid for a defenseman. He's I think he he if he doesn't lead, he's second in goals scored by defenseman. Brent Burns might have beat him by now, but he's basically a forward. You know Weber offensively can get it done too. I just this year alone, the last this year especially, Petrie has just. The way he moves the puck, transitions, makes those clutch plays, it just – I think at least for this this playoffs, Jeff Petrie is going to be looked on to carry a lot of burden. And I think that he has just proven and is right now playing as our best defender. I think, it, I think it, it's going to give Shea Weber a break, and we're going to see a lot better play from Shea Weber too. Because yeah. now Shea Weber is going to get a little bit more open and if it's not, if they're gonna still be stupid and try to and try to focus on Shea Weber, you you got fucking Jeff Petrie, you know, who put us on his fucking back, you know, multiple times in, in these four games. Uh but but just looking at his stats, his last three seasons have been his best seasons of He's his whole entire better. career. He's only getting better his entire time with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, his his 15, you know, he he only got the 19 games in, still made a difference. But really, you know, 2016 was a was a terrible year for everybody. We fucking went through like an overhaul. And then after that, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, I just I'm going to I might get eaten alive for that. I'm sure you know, like if you want to disagree with that, I can't stop you cuz Shea Weber's a Hall of Famer. But I just really do believe that Going going into these playoffs against Philly, Jeff Petrie is going to be our best defenseman. I just I see it happening. And while we're on that topic, I think how it's been a longer episode. We'll finish up by um, talking about our predictions for that series. So I, I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? Shit. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't really delved into it. Uh, I need I need to do a little research. I don't think. I think Philly, Philly's looking fucking phenomenal. I think it's going to be very hard for us to win that series. Um, I think that if Michelle Terrian remembers anything about this fucking team, he's going to fucking use it to their advantage. Um, both of these coaches, you know, uh, Vigneault and Julian, it, it's like another series for them again. They were the coaches for, I believe, it was the 2011 uh, Stanley Cup Finals with uh, Boston and fucking uh, the Vancouver Canucks. So this is this is great in that aspect. It's a chance for us to fucking throw a dart in Michelle Terrian's face, even win or lose. I think you know. I think it'd be awesome to do that because I fucking don't like him. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that. they have an advantage because Terrian has got to have a secret or two about Carey Price's his play. And I'm sure that, you know, the advancement in today's game, they can find, you know, the best advantage like Matt Murray, glove side high. You know, I'm sure they can pick apart Carey Price and find a way to score. I don't think it's going to be a fucking, you know, like what we predicted Pittsburgh was going to be, which was going to be a fucking like slaughter. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of grinding. I think there's, we'll probably see fights in this, in this series. We're going to see a lot of, I hope there's no injuries, but uh, I feel like there's going to be some devastating hits, you know, uh, and hopefully Jake Evans can come back, not just to fucking get uh, destroyed again. But fucking, I think this is going to be our biggest defensive bout that if we move on, this this series will be our hardest series to play. This is going to be a grind because let's not kid ourselves. Philadelphia Flyers finished sixth in the NHL for a reason. They are a tough team. The Broad Street Bullies mentality, they are going to punish us. And Sean Couturier, hashtag not my Selkie nominee, (laughs) 
is still an amazing defensive forward and he is going to be probably I would guess put on Suzuki I don't or if he's on Dano, we're gonna see one of the defensive matchups of a lifetime and like you said it's gonna be a defensive series let's not kid ourselves Flyers are a better team the Flyers are absolutely I mean uh I mean just they won all three of their games you know, uh, in the round robin, they destroyed Boston. They kept them to one goal. They kept the Capitals to one goal. They kept Tampa Bay to one fucking goal. Uh, all the while scoring three plus goals, two, two, four games, you know, two, four goal games. But that's just, you know, fuck. If, if Carey Price can stand on his head, this makes, this series can make Carey Price look even better. And I mean, I, I guess that's a given, but. We're going up against a, a high-flying team right now that has really proven in their last three games that it feels like there was no break for them. You know, I do think that if Montreal can beat the Flyers, they can go far. I believe because... so, too. I think, I think this is our biggest hurdle to get over. And truthfully, I think it stems on us really isolating and finding Carter Hart's problem. Um. I, he's been phenomenal, but I think that this is this is our chance to win is going to be not just, you know, uh, finding holes in the, in the defense, but I think it's just going to have to be picking apart Carter Hart, and it, it's going to be danger-close situations where we're, we're winning like a Kotka Niemi goal in the front where it looks like he fucking touches it with his hand. You know, like I think we're going to get nasty, dirty fucking goals will be our advantage in this game. 100%. And I do believe that Philly's going to give it to us in game one. I believe so, too. And uh, I don't remember who he fought, but Kat Kenyemi's going to throw hands with somebody. I he beat it. the shit out of Robert Hag. Hag, it was Hag. Yeah, so maybe we'll see around two. But I think this is going to be a challenge for Montreal because they've shown that they can play – the double-headed dragon, they can play those super talented players and they can lock them down. You know, a series against Tampa, Tampa is a beast. They scare the fuck out of anyone and rightfully so. But Montreal shown that they can play teams like that. You know, that the way they played that series against Pittsburgh is how I would play a series against Tampa. It's going to be how they have to play against Philly too. But Philly, for all the talent they have, all of those guys work their asses off. Sean Couturier, Voracek, and Giroux, they fucking punish you. Provorov, Niskanen, those guys, Konechny, they come in hard and they're going to punish you. JVR, not so much. He was a former Leaf, so it makes sense that he's a bit of a pussy. But the rest of them, they're going to come in, they're going to rough you up, and Montreal is going to take a beating. It's going to be a battle of whatever team has more mental strength. So I do think Montreal has a chance to win this, but like I said, I think it's going to be their hardest challenge. And if they can get through this unscathed, like with, you know, a lack of too many injuries or an injury to someone like price or someone, I really do think Montreal can make a play here for the, you know, a finals appearance or something. I do think it's possible because if they can beat this team, I believe they can beat any team. Right. And, uh, you know, Brian Elliott had played really good, too. He was in the uh, the Washington game. But if you can make one fatal mistake against playing us, and, and fuck you if you're laughing, you know, because you're still clowning on the halves. But, uh, you know, their big mistake was probably not playing Jari in the second game because he looked really good against us. Um and I think that's a that that would that could have been a difference maker for them was to make a, a substitution in that. But um we just gotta we just gotta pick apart our Carter Hart. You know, maybe he's we, we saw him he needed to take a, a leave of absence uh mid season because it was getting a little it was, you know, I guess uh mental fatigue was going on. And I think we have a better shot at Brian Elliott. Uh, but this team is offensively dynamite right now and I think we have the pieces that could, you know, I don't think we're going to shut them out any game, but I don't think, I think we can give them a run for that money. And I don't think we're going to be looking at any, you know, four plus to our one goal game. So I think, uh, I think someone like Nick Suzuki, you know, 
I guess, not small, average Nick Suzuki out there <laughs> that plays above average every fucking night. Thick Nick Suzuki. Yeah, we'll hashtag that one. Suzuki Summers and Thick Nick Suzuki. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I think that'll be our, our advantage. And um, with Jeff Petrie just, you know, fucking finding the target right now, being like an archer, it, it's going to be a big difference for us, you know. Deflections will be our friend this fucking this series. <laughs> It'll be exciting to play against Nate Thompson, too. Someone who, you know, Mark Bergevin openly admitted if he knew he was going to be in the playoffs, he would not have gotten rid of Nate Thompson. So I think that will be, a, especially for Nick Suzuki, because they were very tight, um, I think it will be an interesting for the Habs players to play against someone that, you know, only recently left the team when the NHL closure started, or the pause, sorry. So I'm really excited for this series. Um, I think it could go any way. I, I think, you know, if you're a betting man, you got to bet on Philly. But I do think that anything could happen in this series. Montreal's proven that. Carey Price has proven that. And I'm just ready to see the fuck, the boys fucking get out there and play some good old playoff hockey. Absolutely. You know, I made a joke a couple episodes back about being a Varkaitis, you know, not wanting us to win. Um, I'm, after game three, I didn't give a fuck anymore. I'm excited to see this team play because we're playing with a unity and, and we're, we're, we're seeing these, these future lines develop. And this is the beginning. You know, we're, we're looking at a puzzle being made. And uh, Jeff Petrie is making puzzles in, in Le Boue or however the fuck you say, bubble in French. But uh, <laughs> I just saw that the other day, so I thought that was fucking hilarious. Him and Max Domi are, are building puzzles together. But that's what we're seeing with this team. The puzzle pieces are finally coming together, and we're going to see the future lines that are going to take us into the, you know, into the promised land. So I'm excited. I can't wait for this fucking series. If if there was a team that I wanted us to play, it was Philly because I wanted us to play what I what I'm looking at right now, the best team out there. Yeah, if they can get past Philly, I really do think that they could do yeah. whatever. And like you said. You actually almost hit it on the noggin, eh? Boulet is bubble in French. Nice. Learning. <laughs> we'll maybe turn that into a segment. We'll, we'll learn French together, except that you guys were smart enough to, like, be taught French your whole fucking life, and, you know, we didn't get a second language. So. Oh, but in Canada, you just learn you just learn French until the ninth grade, and then you throw it all out because you don't fucking want to speak French. Jesus. But uh, with that, <laughs> with that um, we'll close it out. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be, um, you know, providing updates. Oh, oh, actually, we almost forgot. We almost forgot something very important. NHL's biggest asshole list. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, so um, I um, due to some personal circumstances, I was unable to release the bracket when I wanted to. I am sorry. I really plugged the contest. Contest. I was swearing at you guys telling you guys to go vote on it and you did and i wasn't able to get stuff out so i apologize for that but um you know we we're gonna talk about it now um let me just load it up here so the results are for Corey perry versus drew dowdy it was a complete tie but since Corey perry's a fucking dickhead i vetoed that perry won we got Zach Ronaldo, winner versus Chris Kreider. I know I'm surprised that, you know, Habs fans didn't vote for Chris Kreider. Oh, that Chris fucking Kreider. absolutely shocked me. But, you know, Zach Ronaldo is a big piece of shit. So I guess that one makes sense. To absolutely no one's surprise, Nazem Kadri absolutely destroyed Ryan Kessler because Kadri's a little whiny bitch. Um, we had another tie. I was actually surprised at the amount of ties of Jamie Benn versus Matt Martin. And I cannot fucking for the life of me decide who I, who I think is a bigger asshole. So I'm going to leave that one to you, Corey. Uh, we're going to go with uh, the closest team to me, seven hours away. We're going to go Jamie Ben. I love Jamie Ben. Uh, people fucking hate him. But uh, it's because his offensive abilities, I wouldn't say are swaying from him. They're not, they're not there as much anymore. So he's just being a little bit more nasty out there. And he's not afraid to fucking poke the bear anymore. So. All right, there you have it. We got Jamie Ben and verse. Okay, Nick Ritchie versus Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian cleaned that one out pretty mm -hmm. easy. 
David Backus versus Joella Erickson Eck, David Backus. Uh, Brendan Lemieux versus Garnet Hathaway. You know, Hathaway is people might forget Hathaway's a fucking dick, man. But uh Brendan Lemieux won that one pretty easily. Antoine Roussel versus Kyle Clifford was our final one for the prelims, and Antoine Roussel won that by getting sixty percent of the vote. So he did pretty well there. And upon this will be released tomorrow, Monday. We're recording Sunday. So the new playoff bracket will be out. So you guys make sure you vote. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the matchups are going to be yet, but um, we're going to have, you know, the real assholes are getting into this. You're going to have the Luchiches, the Gallagher's, the Marchands. So it's going to be interesting to see who, you know, you guys decide is the NHL's biggest asshole. So um, we're going to have a new bracket out tomorrow and make sure you guys vote when, after you watch this episode. Nicely done, bud. I- I'm still excited for this. I think I think it's a fun little content piece. Yeah, man. And, uh, of course, I think you know where you can find Corey. But if you haven't already, which I don't know why you wouldn't, fucking follow Habs Nightly. That's where the brackets will be posted. That'll be on Twitter. Follow at Habs Nightly. Once again, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Corey. And, you know, that's it. This has been Habs Nightly. Thank you guys for stopping You guys have a great weekend. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.